the free for all roundtable round two on round two today lots to talk about bob reed is here principal at broadwaystrategy.com the guy who created touchdowns and fumbles which is heard on the jerry agar show dipica Demerla, mississauga city councillor is here and tamara cherry she is with pickup communications and author of the riveting the trauma beat a case for rethinking the business of bad news good to have you all and dipica off the top we let bonnie crombie um talk about the uh food campaign that uh, she is heading up. And you've got an event you want to talk about as well, the Taste of Cooksville. Yes. And, uh, you know, I just want to say uh, it's coming up this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. It's the corner of here, Ontario, and Dundas. And, John, what we're doing is the best-kept secret in Ontario, never mind Mississauga, is the foodie place that Cooksville is, very few people know this, but you know, on any given day within 50 meters, you can get a Polish donut or a Korean pancake, you know, Caribbean jerk chicken, the works. And it's actually, you know, and I, the, I heard about, you know, we all know Taste of Danforth. And yeah, it's a bit of a riff on that, but the difference is I think Taste of Danforth, I'm thinking I'm going for Greek food. Taste of Cooksville, you're really thinking any kind of food. I mean, there's limitless cuisine, so I'm going to invite everyone. What's really exciting for car-centric Mississauga is we're actually shutting down Dundas Street uh, from, if you know, Mississauga, here in Terry to Camilla. No, no cars. We're bringing all the restaurants which are hidden in these strip malls onto the street, Midway Games. It's a nice carnival, really supporting local business and a great way to spend a fall weekend with your family. So I'm inviting everyone to please come and check out Taste of Cooksville. All right. And that's on Saturday. Let's start the debate. Uh, Liberal MPs have already begun their caucus. Justin Trudeau will arrive in progress. Bob Reed, there has to be a considerable amount of jeopardy involved in this particular meetup because either you're going to bet on Trudeau or you're not. Like it's time for the putsch or you keep moving. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's the most difficult time for any incumbent in politics, any incumbent leader, when there's grumbling among the ranks. And there certainly are uh, across the Liberal caucus. There are a lot of members of that party uh, looking at the polls, looking at the tremendous decline in the support for their leader, Justin Trudeau, and looking conversely at the momentum, the enthusiasm coming out of the Conservative Party convention on the weekend. There are a lot of them saying... Have I hitched my wagon to a fading star here, or have we collectively? So, for sure, the big analysis, unfortunately for the Liberals, because they're going to want to be talking about other things, but I think all observers are going to be reading the tea leaves to see, uh, is there is there a, gra- a groundswell of, of mutiny among the ranks brewing here? Tamara, you have to think that for Justin Trudeau, it's do or die, that he's going to have to get off that plane. I think he is off the plane. He's going to have to show up, close the doors, and say, Okay, listen. Well, he had some extra time, obviously, to think about it, given that he had his mechanical problems with his plane. But I think what it's going to come down to is, can Justin Trudeau, um, being the sitting prime minister and actually governing this country right now, can he come up with some of those, you know, 10, 15 second, 30 second blurbs that Pierre Poiliev has been able to make into his zingers that will resonate with people while also keeping the confidence of the people that he is he's leading in caucus. Um, I think it's very easy for Pierre Poiliev to get up and and deliver these zingers, but it's a very different thing 
to govern. So he's going to have to find a way to strike that balance and to hype everybody up. And it'll be very interesting to see what all of his liberal MPs are saying after they have that meeting. And Deepika, there seems at the moment anyway, I realize the election's not supposed to happen until 2025, but there seems an almost inevitability that the liberals are going to be wiped out. It's a bit like the provincial scene back when Kathleen Wynne entered into an election and they told her, you know what, you're going to lose every last seat. Well, I wouldn't go that far and not out of any partisan uh, reasons, but you know what they say, a day is a long time in politics and anything can happen in two years. But, but you know, what I did want to say is that, you know, in terms of the discussion that's going to take place in that closed room, there's two things to keep in mind. One is our parliamentary system is a little different from the British one. And so, uh, you know, our MP's ability to tell a sitting prime minister, it's time for you to go is very limited because they actually have no ability to act on it. So in the British system, obviously, it is the parliamentarians who elect the prime minister. And so they have a direct ability to say they have enough numbers of them, you got to go and we're voting you out. We don't have that here. So the MPs can say stuff gently, but they have no mechanism. The only people who can remove the prime minister is after an election when the party meets again and you have a leadership review. So we have to keep that in mind. So, uh, you know, it's very difficult when you know that you don't have the power to tell somebody to leave. You don't want to be the only person in the room saying, hey, this or that. So sometimes the conversations uh, can end up being something like things are going really great. We just need to communicate better. And I just hope they don't fall in that trap where they just think if only they could communicate themselves out of this situation, which they probably cannot. Okay, well, speaking of the British parliamentary system and orders of government, uh, there is a survey out this morning that finds Canadians seem to be falling out of love with the monarchy. So, Tamara, I'll start with you on this one. Um, I, I know some people think it's a very irrational way of thinking about this, but my take is I liked the Queen. I'm not a fan of Charles, so I don't have to be a monarchist, and frankly, I'm done. Yeah, I'm just, eh, I saw this I saw this poll today, John, and it's I, I just my first thought was, how long are we going to be asking this question for? How much longer do we need to like put up with these polls and this question? I don't know if we as a nation are ever going to have a serious conversation about this. I am not a monarchist. I don't see any need to be attached to the monarchy anymore. I could care less about King Charles, I don't know if that's treasonous or what, but um, I just, I, I think Canadians are much more interested in what is going on between Prince Harry and Prince William, unfortunately, than the monarchy as a whole. So, but until we're ready to actually have a serious conversation, these polls are more of an eye roll for me. Now, okay. Um, Deepika, your thoughts on this one? Oh, I am uh, uh, 100% agree with Tamara. You know, there's two reasons we shouldn't be having a monarchy. First of all, there's no reason on this planet for us to have a head of state who lives in another country. That I mean, that just doesn't seem, if you want to have a monarchy, for heaven's sake, have one, pick someone in Canada and start giving their kids the head of state if that's what you want, but at least let's make it uh, Canadian. But you know, in a world where we are kind of moving to a more egalitarian society, uh, the idea that the head of state is just a, 
biological lottery makes absolutely no sense. And, you know, John, you often hear, well, the reason we don't want to replace it is, well, what do we replace it with? And that's a really weak argument. I mean, look around us. There's so many countries without a monarchy, and we regularly appoint the lieutenant governor, I guess, the governor general, sorry, so make that person the president of Canada and be done with it. That's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Time to move yeah. On. And, and you're absolutely right about the, the nonsense of, you know, having a foreign monarch. I mean, it always cracked me up, the uh, royal family of Greece and Denmark. What do those two countries have in common, but they had the same royal family? Bob Reed. Well, I'll make it unanimous on how ridiculous that is. Uh, but I, I think I think this poll shows a couple of things. One is uh, it reminds us, or we have been reminded, I should say, in the wake of Queen Elizabeth's passing, uh, of the figurehead nature of the monarchy with respect to this country, and 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 highlighted by you know that fact that our head of state lives in a in a different country, an ocean away. So uh, we we were okay with it as long as as she was around, and I think that speaks to her longevity and the affection that we had for her and her history. I mean, she was queen before World War Two, so you know that entire generation and. And, and 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 me too. I mean, from my earliest memory, the Queen was the lady whose portrait was at the front of the classroom. I mean, she was always there. Well, now that that's gone, now that she's gone, now that that has changed, we're reminded that it really is a figurehead position for all intents and purposes. And so, do we want to continue with it? And I'm not surprised that people are saying, "Yeah, I'm I'm kind of done with that old model. It just doesn't make sense anymore." What do you folks make of this uh, court ruling that uh, the federal environment minister does not have the right to block somebody as a follower? And that somebody in this case was uh, uh, Ezra Levant, the founder of Rebel News. Let me start with somebody who's been in the media for a good long time, Tamara Cherry. Uh, I shudder hearing Ezra Levant's name because you know he is just a troll. And listen, I don't think that anybody should have to be subject to the kind of vitriol that is online, um, that is put online by trolls like that person you just mentioned. Um, But that said, if you're a government figure and you're using your platform to put out important messages to the public, and that is how you communicate with people, then yeah, you shouldn't be able to block anybody, but you can just mute them so that you don't need to see what they have to say about you. I mean, I don't have a problem with this ruling as much as I wish all of those trolls would just go away. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. I'll tell you, Dipika, you're an elected official. Do you block people? I'm not allowed to. In fact, one of the first things, you know, I recall being told, you know, these orientation things is that as elected officials, uh, we cannot block people. And that includes emails, right? Sometimes you can't block senders because constituents have the right, and rightly so, to contact me, whether it's, and a lot of them contact me by social media. So in that context, I was quite aware. So I was a little surprised that uh, some politicians were blocking because I had been told that we should not be. And I, I tend to agree that, you know, given the mute function that exists, which uh, on on X, I think there's no need to block people if you're an elected official. Yeah, and Bob Reed, you'll get last word on this one. Uh, I find it tremendously satisfying to mute people because they have no idea they're shouting into the void. There's one ex-Sun columnist I've paid no attention to for 20 years, and I just love that she's on mute. 
<laughs> yeah, there is some satisfaction in that button, isn't there? Uh, I think this is a fascinating debate because, uh, or, or issue rather, uh, and 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 I I think it's actually a, a good and and healthy discussion. I'm 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 surprised and impressed that Divica was briefed. No, you can't block anybody because you're using this to officially communicate. There's a gray area there that this case highlights, and that's at the crux of of Levant's argument is you can't you can't have a uh, a, a quote unquote personal social media presence and use it for official communication. You cross the, the Rubicon at that point. So I think maybe what it suggests is there needs to be a new designation, a new kind of flag on on politicians' accounts that this is actually an official communication channel, whether they intended that or not. As soon as you start using it for those purposes, that's what it is. And yeah, you have to maintain that ability to, to connect and communicate. Thank you all. Great to have you. Fantastic discussion. Tamara Cherry, Dipika Demerla and Bob Reed. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.